listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, February the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, all by myself here in the studio, but I'm anxious to take your calls because it's an open mic Friday. What does that mean? It means you can take over the microphone and asking a question of a theological nature. How do you phone? If you're in St. Louis, it's 821-0850. And anywhere in North America, toll free, 1-800-730-2727. Now, you may want to talk about what we spoke about during this past week, uh, particularly uh, the hymn on Tuesday, the reading on Monday. On Wednesday, we were talking about the Old Testament lesson from Isaiah 6. Isaiah sees a vision of God. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And we spoke about that. And then uh, yesterday with Wes Reimnitz, We got into a topic that I've been wanting to do for some time. How do you know you're listening to a sermon when it says it's a sermon? I've been really interested in this topic because as I drive around, I put on about 800 miles a week and going to various congregations and also uh, occasionally uh, running for Lyft and Uber. And I get a lot of opportunity to listen to radio stations, and I like religious radio stations. And I've come to a decision that a lot of the sermons are not really sermons at all. They are maybe a topical speech. Say somebody wants to talk about, and a lot of times they're very good speeches, like on the pro-life movement. Uh, There were a number of good opportunities to hear information about pro-life. For example, I was surprised. I didn't realize the number of children that had been murdered through pro-life in the United States is 62 million. Now, they talk about the 6 million Jews in the Holocaust. Well, this is 10 times that of children who have been killed in abortion. And you can do a pretty good topical speech on that. Or you'll hear a self-help talk. Or you'll hear a sermon with exegetical insights. I'm really interested in those because I like hearing about insights in the Bible, but that's still not a sermon. And every now and then you get a motivational speech, like maybe the pastor needs to get people to contribute more to the church. And then you have lectures. Uh, the, the thing, though, that I was saying with Wes Reimnitz yesterday is if the individual delivering the sermon does not accuse or criticize the people in the pew for doing the same kind of thing that is said in the text, then you really aren't hearing a sermon. Because the sermon needs to have law and gospel. And when we talk about the law, we don't mean that a sermon tells you what God's law is. No, when when we're talking about law and gospel, we're talking about the law in the sense of being accused by God's law in not fulfilling his demands. 
And that's really, really important. Then the antidote to that, the treatment to that is the gospel. So you may want to talk about that, and I'd be more than willing to uh, deal with that. But at this point, if you want to phone St. Louis, 8210850, anywhere in North America, toll free, 1-800-730-2727. And we'll go to hear from Mike. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you today? I'm doing good. Okay, that was enough of that. Goodbye. <laughs> I, was, I got some. I, I, I want some. Something I was going to ask you your opinion on. Um, you know, you know these Bible. If you ever dealt with Bible fundamentalist organizations, they they almost have like two general themes. One of them is that they uh, they consider the Catholic Church to be the apostate church, and of course their solution is is that the uh, apostolic church will return or be reconstructed in the last days before jesus christ returns or second coming but i think they're wrong i think what's going to happen is is i think they're wrong on both counts because but i think what's going to happen is i think christianity will just uh simply just fade away well the trouble is the bible is very clear that the church never will disappear but it may get down to a real remnant where it appears like it's fading away you could be correct on that mike but right now look at how few people indicate that they are strong christians in the country right now with many of them wanting to be a member of the nuns n-o-n-e-s and other things so you've got a good insight there but it says that lest the elect fall away, God is going to call an end to the world. And so that's part of how we understand that the church is not going to disappear. Well, you know, another thing, an, ex- an example of what I was saying was, though, uh, I think one of the best examples is, you know, of course, the Pentecostal church, they don't really say this too much anymore. But when they first got started, they claimed to be a, a Latter-day uh, church. They were a reconstruction of the apostolic church, you know, and the apostles. And, of course, that's why they put all this emphasis on speaking in tongues. That was like, that's how they were proving that the world was going to come to an end pretty soon, you know. But, of course, they've been around for over 100 years easy. I don't know how long they've been around. But but I'm saying I think eventually these churches, you know, they just, I I think, of course, you know, maybe the elect won't be here on earth either when Christ returns. Well, no, that has to happen because in First Thessalonians it talks about those who are those who are saved will go up into the clouds prior to those who are buried in the ground because they've already died. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah so say that. Yeah, but you got some good points, Mike, and I sure appreciate you uh, sharing them with us. Okay. God yeah. bless. Thank you so much, and also thank you for calling early. A lot of times we get callers who start calling around 9.50, and I'd like to expand on some of the things they're saying. In fact, I'm going to do that with Mike's right now. I don't know of a denomination that doesn't think it has the true doctrine. But when the denomination says it's the only church, there I have problems For example, I belong to the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and I believe that our doctrine is in sync with the Bible. I do not agree with all the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. I don't pray to Mary. With the Baptist Church, I baptize infants. With the Presbyterian Church, I believe it's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. 
But I'm not at the point where I would say that, therefore, the Roman Catholic, the Baptist, and the Presbyterians are not part of the Holy Christian Church. Yes, they are. Because what makes you a part of the Holy Christian Church? That you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior who died on the cross to forgive your sins. If that is your trust, you are part of the Holy Christian Church. Now, the reason I don't agree with them is because in some of their teachings that I just mentioned, it is contrary to the clear, simple sense of Scripture. And therefore, I would say I would not send my children to those churches because they're going to be hearing what I consider to be false doctrine. But there's a distinction between doctrine that is so false that it becomes heresy and a person believing it will not go to heaven. For example, you notice I did not mention Jehovah Witnesses or Christian scientists or Mormons. People who believe the doctrine there, that is really heresy. Now, the thing is, we had some Mormons living across the street from us. And though they weren't allowed yet to go to the temple, they hadn't reached that level, uh, they were going to uh, Mormon religious services on Sundays or whenever they were held. Yet when I talked to them, they had a pretty good understanding of Jesus as the Christ in a way that Mormonism did not teach. And that's because they were reading their Bible. So I, I would say two things. Just because you're a Mormon doesn't mean you're going to hell. And just because you're a Lutheran doesn't mean you're going to heaven. I mean, there are Lutherans, and I had them in my congregations, where we excommunicated them. Now, why do you excommunicate someone? Because they have unrepentant sin over a particular matter. And therefore, that's really kind of important. So, just to kind of clarify a little bit, and I appreciate Mike uh, calling in early. The next thing you know, we get these people calling in early that usually call in late. Wouldn't that be amazing if the next one was James? Oh, hi, James. Hello, Pastor. <laughs> You're calling in early, too. I'm early today, yes, because we want to get an exegetical insight. Oh, boy, it took you a while to learn that word. <laughs> <laughs> so what we would like to know, Pastor, and we would like you to help us understand my exegetical insight is found in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And we'd like to know, is the perfect law of liberty considered a mirror under the three uses of the law? And where is that perfect liberty manifested in the Christian walk? Okay. And right. you're going to go back to your group, right? Yes. James 1, 22 to 25. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much for calling. And, and early, too. That's great. All right, let me read, first of all, James 1, 22 to 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Okay, the only way that we understand biblical passages is allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. So who would be a doer of the word and not just a hearer and deceiving themselves? Let me give an example. The Pharisees at the time of Jesus really thought that they heard the word of God properly because they were obeying the ceremonial laws. They were tithing. They were fasting. In fact, they thought they were better than other people. Remember that parable? Thank God I'm not like that tax collector because I'm a hearer of God's word and Look at what they were doing. They thought that by obeying the ceremonial laws, they were therefore keeping the word of God. They would be hearers only because the word of God says very clearly, there's two parts to the commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. And the second part, likewise unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, tax collectors were neighbors. Samaritans were neighbors. And they did not love them at all. And so they were not looking at the law as a mirror to show themselves really what he was like. It took Jesus to come. Now, how was Jesus a mirror to these people? He would say things like in the Sermon on the Mount, so you say that you have never committed murder. Well, no, no, we have never murdered anyone. I say unto you that if you ever have a bad thought about someone or if you ever have a bad word against someone, That is breaking the law of God. So what Jesus was doing is he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, but then he doesn't realize what he has seen. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, For some reason, when I look in the mirror and I comb my hair, it looks pretty good. And then every now and then somebody has a photograph, and I'm in it, and I said, oh, my, I should have combed my hair or something. (laughs) Photographs never look as good as when you look in a mirror. But if you have one of those mirrors that is magnified, and then, oh, it looks like I didn't shave near my ears sufficiently, and maybe people will see that, and so I've got to go back and redo shaving, Just because you look in a mirror doesn't mean you're going to see yourself as you truly are, especially if you have an understanding of yourself that I look better. So Jesus 
talks about the three uses of the law. The first use is for the government where it just bridles iniquity and chaos and either rewards or punishes you as you follow the temporal laws. Go over the speed limit, you get a ticket. The third use of the law is for Christians who now believe in Jesus Christ, but they do not know what the will of God is in particular circumstances. So you read the Bible to hear what God's will is. That's the third use of the law, rule or guide. But the primary use of the law for the church is the second use, and that is as a mirror. It's also referred to as a hammer. Because when God shows you what you are really like, it kind of hammers down your pride, and you see, boy, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Especially if you're comparing how good you are to other people. You can always find someone worse than you until you hear the Sermon on the Mount and find out that you don't commit murder just by doing the act of murder, but when you say something bad against someone in order to hurt them and make yourself look good, that is just as bad as actually committing murder against them. So this distinction between being a hearer, for example, there were scribes and other religious leaders at the time of Jesus that so well knew the Bible, and that was only the Old Testament books. They had them memorized. They were hearers of the word. If you began a Bible verse, for example, the Lord is my, they're going to be able to finish that Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, etc., etc. They were hearers of the word. But it's very clear that they did not hear the word properly because the Old Testament says that when the Messiah comes, we are to worship him, as did the shepherds in the field who were watching their flocks by night, and as did the Gentile wise men who came and bowed down and worshiped the baby Jesus. But when Jesus showed up, even though they were hearers of the word, they had so misinterpreted the word according to their self-interest, they ended up crucifying the Messiah. He looks at himself, he looks at the word, and he forgets what he is like. And the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And when did that occur? Take a look at Matthew 25. The sheep and the goats. Were not the sheep blessed? For they inherited the kingdom of God. Why? Because they were also doers of the word. In fact, they were unaware how well they were doing the word. Because it was so spontaneous and automatic, they did not make much of it. In contrast to the goats, who may have done the very same actions, but they were always being done out of self-interest. So it's very important that hearing the word 
without doing the word means to be able to be knowledgeable about the Bible, but having no faith in the promises of the word. In fact, if you go back up to verse 19, knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. See, that's exactly what the Sermon on the Mount was saying. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Implanted. What was he talking about? Well, there's a number of, shall we say, ideas that comes to mind. Uh, Jesus talks about the farmer who goes out and sows seeds. Well, some gets implanted and bears much fruit. That, that would be one of the ideas that comes to my mind about the implanted word. And what does David say in Psalm 51? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So Jesus is making the point in the Beatitudes and in the Sermon on the Mount that if you say, yeah, I'm a believer and I really have faith in Jesus, but then you go ahead and misspeak and use your words to hurt someone. In fact, that goes on with verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious, and and boy, the Pharisees did because they knew the Old Testament by memory, a lot of them, and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Wow. So the religion of the Pharisees was worthless in the eyes of God. Why? Because... Everything they believed, they believed according to their own self-interest, not in the interest of Jesus Christ. And and when they finally met Jesus Christ, and he had all the signs of the Messiah, as indicated in the Old Testament, he even told them, look at the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the mute speak, the dead are raised. They, They knew all this, and they said, no, these are tricks of Beelzebub. And they rejected what they knew the Old Testament said. So they were hearers of the word, but they were not doers. Doers comes about through faith in Jesus Christ, not through anything else. You can't be a doer of the word out of self-interest. You're a doer of the word when you hear the word of God And you really have come through faith to appreciate what Jesus Christ has done. He is not just towards you, giving you what you deserve. He is merciful in not giving you what you deserve because you still remain a full sinner. And he is gracious towards you in giving you what you do not deserve. Namely, the forgiveness of sins and the robe of righteousness. So this is a good example where you could easily do a law and gospel sermon because the criticism is pretty clear. 
the criticism to the hearers is, okay, you're hearers of the word, but you're not doers. And if I was preaching this in a congregation, knowing the congregations as I do, and each congregation may be a little different, I would point out how the members of the congregation are not always doers of the word. That's all that sin is, is not doing the word which they have heard. So I really appreciate not only that Mike and James called in early, but both of them had great questions, and I pray that I was able to answer them properly. For example, coming up on Monday's Bible study, you're all familiar with the Beatitudes in the book of Matthew. Well, guess what? They are also somewhat found in the book of Luke. And we're going to examine them and show the difference between the Beatitudes in Matthew and in Luke. That's coming up this particular Monday. I'm Tom Baker. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.